You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Wednesday edition of the Valentine's Views podcast. And I am joined today by the great Mark Schofield of SB Nation as we continue to talk about Daniel Jones and the surprising season that the Giants are having. Mark, uh, how you doing? It's been a while since we chatted. It has been a while. I'm doing well, my friend. I imagine you're doing a little bit better than I am. I mean, I'm, well, you know, wondering who my offensive coordinator is for the New England Patriots next year. And you're getting ready for an NFC divisional round game, which is which is fascinating. But I'm happy to be uh, here. Always great to catch up. And I'm looking forward to diving in. Didn't didn't see this coming when the year started. There's there's no doubt about that. I go back to uh I go back to Joe Shane, Giants GM. Yeah. Saying at the combine that you know, he was asked about expectations, how many, you know, whatever. And, and all he said was, I don't like to get my head beat in. I don't ever want to get my head beat in. I want to make it as good as I can. But I, I don't think that that he could have expected, that Brian Dable could have expected, any anybody could have expected being here at this point. Yeah, I actually, you know, I wrote last week, I go back to right before the season started. I mean, I remember when Shane came out and basically said, it is what it is. I mean, he, he talked about the roster. He talked about, you know, the cap space situation that he inherited and everything that he was walking into and basically said, we're going to go out there. We're going to do our best. But I was blown away by that at the time because, you know, you hear general managers, you know, same things like we're going to be competitive. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he was basically saying this. It's going to be a process. The fact that they're here is incredible. Um, you know, you Doug Peterson, whoever you want to vote for for coach of the year, I think Dable has to be up there, obviously, with, with the turnaround we've seen. But Joe Shane, Howie Roseman, one of those two I think should be executive of the year. You you look at what's happened in just this small period of time to take a team from where it was at the Combine, You know when you were asking Joe Shane and others about what, what, what are the expectations to where this team is right now with a shot to play for the NFC Championship game, it's an incredible turnaround. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said, I think Brian Dable gets a lot of credit for it. This coaching staff that that he's put together is an outstanding veteran coaching staff. The the Giants front office has done a terrific job bringing in players off the street, players off other practice squads, Isaiah Hodgins, Landon Collins, Tony Jefferson, Jalen Smith, Fabian Moreau. You can go on and on and on with the list of players that nobody else wanted. And or and, and here, here's the question for you when, when you look at this. Can you can you think of a comp 
Can you think of a of of a of a comparison? I mean, I guess I look at the first year Buffalo Bills with with McDermott, you know, going uh, you know going to nine and seven and making the playoffs. But I'm wondering if you have a comp in mind. Yeah, I mean, you could always look at Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville obviously had a little bit more of a a better financial situation, but that that was a mess that organization after Urban Meyer, and so you know that sort of leads to the Doug Peterson stuff. But I do think. You know, the Sean McDermott Buffalo sort of comparison there makes some sense because, you know, that was a team that was sort of trying to figure things out, wasn't in a good position at all. And that was a pretty quick turnaround. And so maybe that's the most accurate one. Uh, Other teams that have sort of turned it around quickly, you know, not really, you know, having any come to mind right now. But those are the two, I think, that make sense. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you mentioned Brian Dable as, as coach of the year, and I happen to agree with you for a lot of reasons, but I look at it and, and the, the thing that I want you to talk about is just when you look at the giants and we'll, we'll get, you know, deeper into Daniel Jones later on, but when you look at it, just how much of a difference quality coaching elite coaching top tier coaching whatever you want to call it how much of a difference that kind of quality coaching can make even at the nfl level it's huge and you know people that are listening to this and you know this the work that i do tends to lean towards the x's and o's the schematics things like that and i'm sure we'll probably talk about that a little bit Um, But the more I'm around this game, the more I cover this game, the more I realize that, you know, the X's and O's are what they are. You know, coaching is about human connection in a way, you know, and when you see the difference in this Giants team from last year to this year, there are certainly some schematic tweaks that they have made, some things that they have done on both sides of the ball that have put them in this position But connecting with a locker room and inspiring a locker room and getting a group of men and women, you know, from coaching staff, training staff on down to the players to buy in overnight is critical to what's happening in this year in New York. And I know we talked about this earlier in the year, but the win week one against Tennessee, when they went for two at the end of that game with a chance to just take the lead when they could have tied it, that was massive. That was a paradigm shift in the New York Giants organization from last year to this year to take a team that was going from, you know, running quarterback sneaks in their own territory at the end of the season because they wanted to get into better position to punt the ball to we're going to win a game, you know, forget playing for ties. We don't play for ties at the NFL. We play to win games. That's massive. That connection that, Dable has brought and forged with this locker room, with this team, with the people from the front office on down is massive. And so the more I think about teams and successful organizations, yes, the X's and O's sort of matter. Yes, you know, the draft decisions you make, the roster decisions you make matter. But from a head coach perspective on down, connected with the people, coaching staff, locker room players, that stuff matters too. I mean, I – I've heard a lot of people talk about Dable's view on, you know, being a coach and talking about how when somebody comes to you with a problem, that is the biggest thing in their life at that moment. And you have to sort of make that your own. And if they've decided that I'm going to knock on Brian Dable's door and bring this to their attention, you know, 
what it means to them. He has an understanding of basically human relationships that matters. I mean, if you, I'm not, not to go wildly off script here, but there's a reason why people I think connected with Ted Lasso, the television show. And it's partly because that's a show that is well-written and funny and all that sorts of stuff, but it's a show about relationships and coaching is about relationships and Brian Dable's ability to strike the right balance in every relationship in that building has been massive. And, you know, I wasn't going to go here either. This is something that I've talked about before. I get asked all the time, what's the difference between this first year with Brian Dable and the first year with Ben McAdoo back in 2016? I get asked about that all the time. And I say that that the primary difference, you know, why is this sustainable with Dayball where in year two, McAdoo got fired before even making it through his second year. And it is those relationships. It is the fact that Brian Dayball relinquished play calling duties. His primary job this year has been building those relationships, cultivating trust between players and coaches and in the entire organization. When things started to go south for the Giants in 2017, Ben McAdoo couldn't fix them because Ben McAdoo had spent all of his time as the Giants head coach with his face buried in an oversized play card, basically being the offensive coordinator and not building those relationships. And nobody wanted to hear from him when things started to go south. Nobody wanted to hear from him or listen to him. It was, you know, go back over there in your corner and call plays. Yeah. It's different with Brian Dable. And, you know, the, the last thing I'll say about that is you mentioned the Tennessee game. The uh, he says all the time that if you prepare right, if you make a decision, if you do the right things, you just live with the consequences. And he was asked for what the reaction was on the sideline when he decided to go for two before they even ran the play. And he was like, the entire sideline was like, F yeah, F yeah, we're gonna go try to win this game. We don't care if we lose it, we lose it, but we're gonna go try to win it. And I think that established a baseline with the entire team that he believes in us, that he's going to put it on us to succeed or fail, which I don't think players felt from the, from the Joe judge led giants. Not when you, not when you quarterback sneak from victory formation (laughs) twice, twice from your two yard line. Yeah. And I think, you know, the Herm Edwards, you play to win the game line gets, you know, mocked at times, but there's a reason he said that you don't play not to lose. You don't play scared. You play to win games. Coaches that do that. will, you know, players are smart. They will see through your decisions. They will make the appropriate inferences from your decisions as a head coach on down, you know, we say this all the time, sort of don't listen to coach B, you know, we'll look at their actions, particularly around draft season when they tell you, you know, we're looking at X, Y, and Z, but then they go out and spend a ton of money in free agency at a position that they said they weren't going to address in the draft. So when a coach is basically saying, I'm going to put the ball get in your hands, we're going to live or die together with the consequences based on that. Cause I trust you guys to go out and execute. We have prepared and done the things 
you know, in this case during training camp up to week one to put ourselves in a position to win a game. That's huge. You know, and to do that in week one set the tone for this entire season. And I think the other thing that's important that you sort of pointed out is when the Brian Dable hire was made, every Yahoo with a pen or a microphone, myself at the front of that line, said, oh, this is – he's going to – Fix Daniel Jones, right? Like this is this is the the what they're going to do. They're going to try to fix Daniel Jones here, and he walked in and said, "You know what? I'm not calling plays. We're going to have somebody else do that. My Kafka is going to call plays. Like I'm a head coach now, and you know, you bring the big problems to me. I'm going to build these relationships. I wasn't hired just to fix Daniel Jones. I was hired to coach the New York Football Giants, and I'm going to coach all 50 player, 53 players on this roster. Daniel Jones is one of the 53. We're going to do what we need to do with Daniel Jones, and we're going to get to that in a second. But my job is bigger than just the quarterback. My job is bigger than just Daniel Jones. My job is to be the head coach of this football team. Yeah, absolutely, and and that has that has without doubt worked. And you know, you talk about. Dayball, and the last thing I'll say about him when it comes to showing his real belief in players is it kind of came full circle on Sunday. Two fourth-and-one situations where he could have easily either kicked a field goal or punted. The second one, ahead by a touchdown, fourth-and-one on your own 45-yard line with three minutes and 20 some seconds to go. If you don't get that, you basically hand the Minnesota Vikings an opportunity to tie the game. And he basically said, you know, we did what we thought was the right thing to do to go try and win the game. He said, we're going to go try to win the football game. And, yeah. and that wasn't, that wasn't playing scared. That was, Hey, if we're going to be a good football team that wins a playoff game, we have to be able to get a yard when we need it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, to put the faith in that offensive line, you know, obviously, look, the schematic tweak this year of the push, the quarterback sneak push has is, is been huge. Um, so to be able to rely on that, I think, helps too. But at the same time, it's that mentality of we're playing to win games. We're not going to go out here and play not to lose games. You know, I, I think a lot of coaches, maybe fewer coaches in, in the modern NFL than say in a couple of year a couple of years ago would go in that situation. I think there's been that sort of overall paradigm shift of it's fourth and one at midfield or so. You know, go for it. You know, the old line of hey, you know, trust your defense and punt the football and trust them to get a stop. If you really trust your defense you'll go for it and trust them enough to get the stop at midfield as opposed to, you know, the 20 yard line. But yeah, it's, it's, it's the sort of bookend to the season to this point, which was you begin the year making an aggressive decision to go for a win against Tennessee. And you up to this point, the cloak, the capper to that is fourth and one with a touchdown lead. You're going to go for it and try to ice this game. All right, Mark, we are 15 minutes in and, we really haven't talked about Daniel Jones. That's that a new much. record, I think. That's that's pretty darn amazing. So so we have to get into Jones. And and the question is, you know, you wrote you wrote for Big Blue View for a number of years before before getting the full time gig at SB Nation, which is which is awesome. You know, Mark Schofield, NFL writer for SB Nation now, but 
I had you study Daniel Jones up, down, sideways, every possible way. And the question becomes this. The last time we saw Daniel Jones at MetLife Stadium, people were chanting his name and, and screaming MVP. And this past week, he had a performance that statistically has never been done before in the NFL postseason. So the question be, that doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. It doesn't make him the greatest quarterback since sliced bread, but it makes him a guy who has shown us that it's within him now to win big games on his own at big times. And the question is, after all that study of Jones that you've done going back to before he was even drafted, did you ever see, did you ever think this was in him? Not really. I mean, thinking back to, you know, coming out of Duke and, you know, I was a big blue view. You know, when he came out. Um, and again, I, I can't thank you enough for that opportunity. Um, you were one of the first to give me one. So I appreciate that. It always will. Um, you know, there were things to be intrigued by, but his sort of career arc has been a lot different than my, many, myself included, would have sort of expected. You know, when you looked at him coming out of Duke. That Cutcliffe offense, it was a lot of one and zero step drops, quick game, RPO heavy. And there's been that element to his game over the years, and it's kind of ebbed and flowed. But there's also been a push to push your ball downfield a little bit more, you know, to be a little bit more aggressive in the downfield vertical parts of the playbook. Um, so it's gone through this weird sort of cycle. But I think the thing that stood out to me the most studied him this year as opposed to last year you know because just people ask like what's been the key to his growth how has he gone from a guy that had his you know fifth year option de declined to now being a as we talked about last week a potential sort of cornerstone piece for this offense for the next couple of years you know going from what who are they going to draft at the top of the draft next year is it cj stroud is it bryce young to they don't need to draft a quarterback you know, there's a number of reasons for that, but I think the biggest change in him this year, and there have been some schematic reasons why, against the blitz. You know, he was always very good against pressure. You know, adjusted completion percentage last year uh, when he was pressured was, you know, fourth in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus Chardon. And he was second in the NFL this year. But his ability, if you think back to his first action against Tampa Bay, his rookie year, he was under pressure. I remember writing that. He was pressured early and often that game, but made some impressive throws when pressured. But blitzes in particular were very hard on him. You know, last year, 20th in the NFL and adjusted completion percentage when blitzed. This year, first. You know, that's a big jump. And this weekend, you know, Minnesota brought some blitzes. He was 7 of 10 when blitzed for 81 yards and a touchdown. You know, he's punishing blitzes right now. And as a quarterback, you should want to get blitzed. I mean, that's an opportunity to make a throw, make a big play. You know, there were times when it wasn't cl clicking for him. He wasn't punishing defenses when they blitzed. And there, are, there have been big plays. Like he had a play against Minnesota in the regular season where, you know, they brought a slot corner blitz. And he threw like a hitch and go knowing that slot corner was going to get home and had a free run at him. So he punished them over the top on that. 
But there are also moments when it's just I'm going to replace the blitz with the ball. You're going to bring that you know middle linebacker through the a gap. I'm going to throw the shallow right there. I'm going to just I'm just going to take that five yard throw and replace that blitz with the ball. So he's done both this year. The, the, the little things against blitzes or even the deep shot plays against blitzes, which, you know, in my mind, in my viewing of it, that's a calm, confident quarterback who understands that, look, I don't need to react. I don't need to freak out. I don't need to speed myself up. I can just, you know, cut the drop a little bit short or do this or do that, do one little tweak to things and punish this defense against the blitz. And I think that's been the biggest thing. His calmness in the face of blitzes has been huge this year. Yeah, and it's really interesting. You know, he can obviously use his legs as you know on the scramble, and he's yeah. not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to make people miss. But what he does is he he outruns people, and that still surprises them. He, he shows immense toughness in the pocket and in the open field. One of these days, that's going to get him hurt, but that's you know. But that happens to to all quarterbacks, and and it's funny that that you were talking about about the blitz and his play under pressure because one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, and it's a subtle quarterback thing, but we used to talk about when he was a rookie, when he was a second-year player, when when he would fumble so much, all right, when we used to talk about him not seeing the pressure. We used to talk about him taking hits in the pocket that he didn't have to take. And we used to talk about, can a quarterback develop pocket presence, develop feel for the rush? And it's a very subtle thing, but it's impressive to me now, not only to watch Daniel Jones make a decision, a quick decision to break the pocket and go take some yards with his legs, but to simply slide in the pocket. To, to know where the pressure's coming from and to simply slide in the pocket so he can deliver a ball. That, to me, is something that he didn't do in 2019-2020. And, and I didn't think it could be developed. So uh, just just your thoughts on, on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to develop and refine that because, you know, climb in the pocket, slide in to create space, it's an unnatural act for a human being. I mean, I, I've got all sorts of books from quarterbacks, by quarterbacks, about quarterbacks within my arm's reach right now. And, you know, one that's always sort of stuck with me, a passage from one, Joe Montana basically talking about how climbing the pocket is an unnatural act because you're, you're telling me I have to go closer to those big guys. You want me to step up closer to where the Jim Burtz of the world are, the guy that almost knocked me out? No, I don't want to do that. But that's what you have to do. And, you know, in the piece I put together last week about Jones, you know, I had a whole section on him, you know, his success against pressure, you know, irrespective of, of blitzes. And you see these examples of him just using his feet to create space, you know. And what a guy like, say, Mahomes or Allen, you know, escapes the pocket – you know, slides out the back door or whatever, makes a throw outside of the pocket, it, it leads sports center. But what's sometimes more impressive to me are the moments when somebody like Joe Burrow just moves a little bit. Or Tom Brady just moves a little bit with his feet to create space. I've often likened it to a boxer using their feet to create space, whether it's to avoid a punch or whether it's to throw a punch. 
And Jones has done that this year at a very high level. You know, I had some, you know, a week two throw in the fourth quarter where, you know, it's third and 10 against Carolina and you got a little bit of pressure and you've got to just create a little bit of space with your feed. You know, week 16, there was another one that I highlighted third quarter, you know, sliding to create space. They show you too high. They spin it to one. It's a sort of a blitz situation and you just use your feet. And it's that feel for the rush because he's not dropping his eyes when he does this. It's that I know where it's coming from. I understand where it's coming from. I know how much time I have. I don't have to look to check it. I just know how much time I've got, how much space I need to create. You know, it's a spatial awareness tree. And he's done that at a very high level. And so, yes, he has the ability to, like you said, outrun some people at times. He's an incredibly tough quarterback. Greg Olson talked about that. He's a bigger quarterback. Greg Olson talked about that too. You know, you get him in the open field and suddenly it's like, man, I, you're a cornerback and you're like, I, I didn't want to, I didn't sign up for this. Like, <laughs> but the ability to just sort of use your feet, create a little bit of space and get off a throw, that's a huge trait to have. It's something he wasn't, his, his sort of, created space in the first couple of years was I'm going to stand here, take a big hit and hopefully make a throw. But now he's got that deeper understanding of how to create that space with his feet. So yeah, you might still get hit, but it's not an absolute shot to the jaw. It's, you know, a glance and blow or something like that, which is huge for extending your life in the, in the NFL as a QB. Yeah. It's, it's playing the quarterback position. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What I want to say, Mark, is we talked about this a little bit a week ago because you know I did um, I did a piece on, on Jones' skyrocketing price tag. So the question... The question for the Giants is, what do they see from Daniel Jones? What's sustainable, really? What is sustainable? You always, in the back of your mind, you've seen examples. You know, Carson Wentz got a humongous paycheck, and it didn't work out. Other guys, you know, Jared Goff got a tremendous paycheck and, and got himself traded. We've seen guys show us one thing. And then get that, you know, get their bag per se, as they say now, and then, and then backslide. So the question is, if what do you, what's sustainable? What level of play do you think is sustainable for Daniel Jones? Is there more is, 
is what we see now what he is. Um, and, and if you're the Giants, the price tag keeps going up. What do you what do you do if you're the Giants just in terms of, of how you go about, you know, if it's you making that call, how do you pay him? I mean, like I said in the piece, I think, you know, three years, 105, 110, you know, numbers-wise makes some sense. I think, you know, if you're in New York, you want to give yourself a potential out just in case there's that backslide. But I think what we saw this year was sort of proof of concept, right? Like, like this is how it can work with Daniel Jones. And I think one of the more interesting things is, you know, yes, there's been, you know, a tiny uptick in play action usage. You know, a lot of people have sort of said, hey, look, you know, having Saquon Barkley healthy has has allowed them to run more play action. As I highlighted in the piece I wrote, like some of their best play action plays have come on outside zone looks. And they're one of the worst teams in the NFL by Sports Info Solutions data at outside zone, if not the worst, you know, so – you know, I don't. I think Barkley has certainly helped, but I think it's a situation where if somehow Barkley ends up somewhere else, like it's not going to come all crashing down. Obviously, I think if you're the Giants, you want to bring Barkley back too. So there is that component. But I think the other thing is this, and it's sort of where we started. What doesn't make me think a backslide is coming is Brian Dable. You know, I, I think Brian Dable, again, with the relationships, the the stuff that he's forged, you know, what we spent the first 10 minutes talking about, you know, there's a buy-in now from Jones's side, which is this. You know, this man believed in me, you know? He's a new guy coming in that could have gone in a different direction. When people back in August were sort of pushing Dable, saying, hey, Tyrod's getting some first-string practice reps. Is this – it's like, no, no, this is all part of the plan. You know, Daniel Jones is our quarterback. We've seen the results now. And I, I think from Jones's perspective, the reason why he doesn't want to have a backslide now is it's a, another human element. He doesn't want to let Dable down. You know, if somebody gives you that show of faith, do you want to stand by them? You want to, you know, make sure that they look good too. And so, you know, I, I know we've all kind of played armchair psychologists here in this show, but football, it's a human game. It's a game played by humans. It's an emotional game. And Jones, I think, has shown proof of concept with the X's and O's and the schematics. But I think there's going to be that idea that, look, this organization has stood by me now. You know, this new staff has stood by me now. I'm going to do right by them. Absolutely. And, you know, you we talk a little bit about schematics. We talk a little bit about uh, about you know, the, the play action and, and, and all of those kinds of things. And, and, and I have to talk a little bit about Mike Kafka, offensive coordinator. It has been impressive to me to watch this Giants offense evolve over the season. It was a real heavy run first offense the first third of the season. Used a lot of motion, used a lot of play action, bootleg, get Jones out of the pocket, give him a simple throw to make. But it's evolved. It's changed. It's a whole different group of wide receivers now. It's a lot of stacked formations. It's a lot of bunch formations. Try to create releases, all that kind of stuff. And and you watch that passing attack on Sunday against Minnesota. What was it? Yeah, there was some play action, but it was still a whole lot of 
under center, straight drop back, traditional classic quarterback play. Um, I'm just so for me, just talk about the schematics and talk about Mike Kafka. And he's got three head coaching interviews lined up and, and, you know, just talk about why you can, you can see the teams are interested in him. Because smart coaches evolve in season, not after the season. And I think that what you sort of outlined, all of which is 100% true and accurate, is an example of a coach and staff, an offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, adjusting ahead of time to the defensive adjustments. You know, what we've seen from some other offensive-minded head coaches or offensive coordinators, the Cliff Kingsbury's, the Sean McVay's of the world, is that sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to adjust to what defenses have figured out and used against them. You think about, you know, the Arizona Cardinals teams of the past couple of years, it's they get off to a really good start. And then by say Thanksgiving defenses have figured them out. What's their counterpunch going to be. You don't see it till week one next year. You know, Sean McVay, the year that they got to the Super Bowl but lost to new England around the end of that season, the sort of Vic Fangio defensive philosophy that's now in vogue across the league which you know a lot of too high stuff and things like that teams like you know Fangio and others used it against them to sort of slow them down and never really saw the counterpunch you know Kafka's ability to evolve this offense to figure out week to week like what puts us in the best position to be successful is massive you know because every game matters Every drive matters. Every quarter matters. You can't wait to make some adjustments or to figure out what you need to do to put your players in a position to be successful until the end of the season when you're doing your sort of, you know, post-mortem on the year. You know, you're going to see different defensive looks each week. You're going to see different personnel each week. You know, one week you might see a great linebacker unit. So you're like, we have to run the offense through the receivers. The next week you might face a great secondary, but a weak linebacker unit, you're going to figure out some stuff to do in the passing game to attack those players. And so – you have to be able to evolve quicker than, you know, an off season. And so Kafka's ability to reshape this offense from the start of the year to the end of the year, and sometimes from week to week, sometimes from drive to drive is massive. And I think that's what teams have seen, you know, and it, it gives you the idea, the hope, the belief that if hard times come and they always do in the national football league, there'll be a quicker turnaround and a quicker ability from a Mike Kafka led team to overcome those moments because of what he's shown this year. Yeah. I was going to say, as you were talking, we ask Dable quite often when we see one type of performance in the first half and things change in the second half, we've asked him a number of times this year, what'd you guys change at halftime? And he'll say, we don't make adjustments at halftime. We make adjustments from drive to drive. Yeah. We talk about things when players come off the field, you know, based on what we saw. And, and we make changes. We make adjustments from drive to drive. We don't wait to make adjustments. We make them as soon as we see them. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that we see so often in the NFL. And it's so much so impressive to me that we see so many coaches who this is my system this is my style this is my scheme this is what we do and if it doesn't work we're just going to go back to practice on tuesday or wednesday and bang our head against yep. the wall and practice it harder and try to be better at the thing that we do over and over and over 
And, and that's not how you succeed. And it's been impressive to me to watch the Giants put that into action and put the other thing that coaches say all the time, Mark, is it's about players and not plays. And right. again, you know this as well as I do. For so many of them, it's lip service. I think yeah. what Mike Kafka, what Brian Dable, what Wink Martindale show us with the Giants is they don't think it's lip service. Right. I mean, and, and we haven't talked about Wink, but look at the adjustments from where he likes to be to what they did this past week, which was we're not going to blitz as much. You know, we're, we're going to approach it a little bit differently because that puts us in the best position to be successful. And I think, you know, the thing with Dable and the adjustments, right? You know, Manning cast on Monday night between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Payton was basically like halftime adjustments is the biggest myth in football, right? You know, because we go into the locker room, we use the restroom, we eat an orange or two, and then it's time to go. Like, you know, we're not making a ton of adjustments. And that was a nice little witty thing to say at the moment. But I think what he was really getting at is to what Dable was saying, which is the adjustments happen all the time. Like, you know, you, you go into a game with your script at 15 and a lot of the plays that you want to run, it's not just these are your good plays. It's we want to see what the defense is going to do, right? There, there's a great Twitter account the at the Honest NFL, um, you know, somebody that spent some time under Doug Peterson. And he put together earlier this year from a Jacksonville game, I think it was their game against Tennessee, like he looked at their scripted, 10 or 15 plays and said, this is why they called that stuff. Like they want to see, you know, what you're going to do against bunch. They want to see what you're going to do against motion and things like that. Cause then that sets you up for drive two, drive three, drive four. The adjustments happen drive to drive, sometimes play to play. And you have to have the ability to, okay, we didn't expect this. We didn't expect that. Okay. Now here's what we're going to do. Because if you wait on that, it's going to be too late. Absolutely. And, you know, hey, before we before we close it up, I have to talk a little bit about uh, Saturday night Giants Eagles. And, you know, I, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you and your and your fellow SB Nation NFL writers. I saw your playoff rankings. I saw your one through eight, you know, which team is most likely to uh, to, to win it all. And I saw the Giants at number eight. I saw that. And I saw Mark Schofield's name on the Giants blurb. You know, so, so you know, so just a little bone to pick with you guys. But, but I'm not going to ask you to explain yourself there. What I am going to do is ask you to sort of, you know, put on your thinking cap and look at Giants, Eagles, Giants are seven, eight point underdogs got destroyed by the Eagles in the first game. Although, you know, I don't think the Eagles are putting 48 points up on the Giants this time, especially Leonard Williams is going to play. Um, Xavier McKinney's going to play. Adoree Jackson's going to play. So the Giants will have, you know, three of their best players that they didn't have in that first game. What I want you to do is kind of put on your, you know, put on your thinking cap a little bit and, and tell me, why you think the Giants might have a chance here? What is there? What is there that they can attack with the Eagles? You know, why why could they possibly pull off this upset? Well, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a close game, and in, in terms of you know seven or eight points or whatever, I 
take the Giants. I mean, I think it's going to be a very close game. I, I think that the names have changed a little bit since, you know, that first meeting. You know, the meeting in week 18, I think you kind of throw that one out. Right. Um, what I think you can do if you're Dable is first, you know, I, we say it's sort of cliche all the time, but you can run the ball a little bit on these guys. You know, I, I think you can run the ball a little bit. I think it's going to be in a sense – uh, kind of like Greg Olson talked about, you sort of throw to set up the run a little bit. You know, try to soften up that defense. You know, if there's an area on the Eagles' defense that's been a little suspect at times, it is their run defense. So I think you could do some things conceptually, you know, some some play action stuff early to set some set up some run plays later. You know, I think you're going to see some packaged plays. You know, where you've got a inside run element, a bubble element, and things like that that will give you options. And I think that look, you know. This team has shown, this quarterback has shown an ability now to win some big games, an ability to execute against defenses at a high level, an ability to make some throws like the Hodgins throw, which, you know, you make that on a third and 10 in the playoffs. It can be a game-changing type of play. So I certainly think that the Eagles can win this game. Um, I think it's going to be close. Like I said, I wouldn't surprise me if it's like a 24-21 kind of game. Um, I think the Eagles on paper are the deeper, better team. They're a very complete football team. But as we've seen sometimes in these rematches now, we've had a number of rematches in the playoffs. You know, there's a familiarity there. You know, there's a sense that we know what we need to do against this team. And I think the Giants have a very good chance of winning this game. I think where the sort of rankings come in is, okay, then what? You know, going on the road for a third week in a row to potentially San Francisco or yet maybe even another rematch against Dallas and, you know, having to win three games in a row, that gets to be tougher when you start thinking about who can win a Super Bowl. But do they have a shot of winning this game? Absolutely. You know, it's the one only other thing I really wanted to mention is I think we need to talk just a little bit about Jalen Hurts. When the Giants and the Eagles played in Week 18, the Eagles needed to win that game. Jalen Hurts played in that game. It was really, really obvious that the Eagles were trying to protect him. The big elements of the Eagles' offense in, in designed runs you know, for, for Jalen Hurts that weren't there. I mean, he scrambled a couple of times, but it was brutally obvious that he was trying not to take hits. Um, I'm just curious. It's two weeks later now, obviously. He should be healthier. Um, but do do we think he's going to be fully healthy? And and just if the Eagles have to take that that whole designed run chunk out of their playbook, I mean, how much does that hurt them? It hurts them a lot. I mean, look, Jason Kelsey said on his show with his brother that their entire offense, run game, pass game starts with Jalen Hurts. I mean, everything they do builds off of Jalen Hurts. The stuff they do in the pass game, the, some, some of the RPO stuff they do, obviously the dropback stuff that they do. You know, obviously the quarterback plays a huge role there, but so much of what they do in the run game and some of their play action elements builds with uh, his ability to run as a foundational principle. And if they're not in a position to rely on that stuff, if they don't want to, you know, if he's not, if he's not healthy enough where they feel like they can use his threat as a runner to set up some of this stuff, that's a big chunk of their playbook. That's kind of out the window. You know, he's showed growth and improvement as a drop back passer, certainly. And, you know, so there will still be, you know, a large swath of their playbook that they can draw upon. 
but those you know misdirection type of elements the, the things that they can do conceptually that cause stress misdirection eye candy all that sort of stuff the built-in layers of options on a given play if that's out the window that's going to be a big thing for them to overcome and like you said ed like it, it was clear in week 18 that you know, they were trying to limit the hits. They were trying to limit the exposure. Now, whether that's just it's week 18, we don't want to re-injure him, or if it's like he's still not 100%, I don't know that component to it. But his health is a huge storyline headed into this game because of how much they do offensively and how much it starts with Jalen Hurts. All right, Mark. As always, appreciate the time, appreciate the insight and uh, we'll see if the Giants can uh, can can prove that that number eight ranking to be uh, to be incorrect. Anyway, uh, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Take care of each other. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully, those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom, no. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.